Welcome, listeners, to our patron-requested review of Sorcerer. Four men, condemned by their past, robbed of their future, trapped in a life that was also a death. Four men take an incredible chance, face an impossible challenge, and risk the only thing they have left to lose. So, Sorcerer, released in 1977, starring Roy Scheider, Bruno Cremere, Francisco Rabal, and Amado. Okay. Written by Waylon Green, based off the novel by Jorge Ano, with music by Tangerine Dream Band. Oh, I thought that was someone's name. I did it The first. way you were going. <laughs> like, who is this? Ta- who named the kid Tangerine? <laughs> Last name Dream? <laughs> now, they actually did the score for Legend as well. Have you seen nice. Legend? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. don't remember anything except the sweet, sweet horns of Tim Curry. Got a little erotic there, but I'll push past that. Cinematography by Dick Bush and John... <laughs> What great timing for the old Dick Bush. I I was hoping you'd blow past that one. All right. Seeing as we're getting a bit erotic here, I'll just push on with Dick Bush. (laughs) Yes. I was halfway through saying the other cinematographer was John M. Stevens uh, because Dick Bush found director William Friedkin so demanding and difficult to work with that he left the film halfway through and Friedman used John M. Stevens, his second unit cinematographer, for the remaining part of the production. So they both received the screen credit. Lucky them, eh? Must be nice to quit your job, do a half job and still get the credit for it. I imagine that happens a fair bit. Like People get, people get credits on film for doing bugger all. Mm. Anyway, like I said, this is directed by William Friedkin, who's gone and done other films like The French Connection. Great film. Not one of my personal favourites. And The Exorcist. Very famous film. Not one of my favourites. It's a little boring. So this was nominated for one Oscar, nominated for Best Sound. It ended up losing to Star Wars A New Hope. Wow, I bet no one saw that one coming. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about casting here, Dean. Paul Newman turned down the leading role here. Yeah, apparently the director was uh, none too happy with uh, Roy Schreider. Is it Schreider? It's Schreider. Schreider. Yeah. Yeah, they had a bit of a beef. They They did work together on The French Connection. They had lost contact after he refused to to cast Scheider in The Exorcist. He was a little bit miffed about that. He also thought that Scheider had got a bit of a big head after starring in Jaws. Thought he uh, popularity had risen up, so he thought he was um didn't need the old William Freakin anymore. Well, I mean, he hardly became a household name, did he? No, he didn't. So maybe he came be- coming back. Please, I need to be in this movie. <laughs> Freakin actually initially wanted Steve McQueen to star in the main role here. McQueen did accept the part, but on one condition that he wanted a co-starring role for his then-wife, Ali McGraw. Friedkin said no to this. He didn't want her in the film, so McQueen just dropped out. He said, no, nah, not going to do it. So he left, the, he left the, the movie. I mean, I'm sure he regrets that now. Is there any female characters in this other than one of them's wife, I think? Nope. A very male-centric movie, this one. Mm. Friedkin also tried to get Clint Eastwood or Jack Nicholson, but neither wanted to actually travel at that time. So during the production of this film, William Friedkin clashed furiously with upper management at Paramount Picture when he was making the the film. By all accounts at that time, Friedman's ego was out of control and he did not want the studio interfering with his film. So when early test screenings were poor, Friedkin demanded that Paramount pay for full-scale new filming instead of insert scenes that the studio felt would help clarify some elements of the story. Paramount had had enough at that point and said no to any new production funds or any any new plans to actively market or advertise this film, which contributed to this film being a massive box office flop. 
Which is ridiculous. Like, you'd think if you're going to spend what ended up being close to $21 million on a film, why wouldn't you spend a little marketing it? Maybe because of William Freakin. Maybe they'd had enough of this guy. What, they wanted it to fail? I don't think so. That, mm, that's bad may, business choices, may, Hendo. Maybe they felt this is going to fail. Let's not put, we need to, we need to stop putting money into this film. Let's cut our losses while we're not so far behind. I mean, it's got a, a decent rating on IMDb. Got a 7.7. That's because this film has got some more notoriety as the years have gone by. Like back back in 1977, there was no IMDb. This film, not only... I think I think the big reason this became a flop was because this came out a month after Star Wars. And hmm. everyone was still going to Star Wars. Added to the fact that this film was called Sorcerer. Which is a terrible title for this film. It makes no sense. Sorcerer. Yep. People Where thought, is the magic? Exactly. People thought they were going to see a magic film or like a wizard film. and they. Get I this, wonder why. I, I agree with you. So Sorcerer is the name on one of the trucks. I didn't even see that. Really? I saw it on the side of the truck that blows up is the word sorcerer. And it's like, really? That's what you're going to name the movie for? Yeah, very, very terrible title. Yeah, it's shocking. So besides the internal onset conflicts, William Friedkin said that approximately 50 people had to leave the film for either injury or gangrene, as well as food poisoning and malaria. Gross. Friedkin himself actually lost 50 pounds and was stricken with malaria, which was diagnosed after the film's premiere. So he had that going for a little while after he actually got it. wonder if he uh, thinks it was worth it now. So we've been talking a bit about budget and how it got overblown. The film's location shooting was estimated to cost so much money that Universal Pictures partnered with Paramount Pictures to share the expenses. William Friedkin and producer David Salvin had frequent clashes regarding the expensive location shoots. In the end, Friedkin actually fired Salvin and took the producer credit for himself. This guy does a lot of firing on his movies. Well, he's big shot, you know? He's just coming from the French Connection and the Exorcist here. He's, you know, he's got some got some power. I mean, he does. Like, they were very successful movies, especially The Exorcist. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But this was released on the 24th of June in 1977 with a runtime of 121 minutes, 92 minutes for the international version. And I say that because that this got re-released internationally, cutting out basically the, the, the first, first act. The first act. Good. I wish I saw that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> William Freakin made sure to have final cut on the film's domestic release, but did not specifically request it for the foreign distribution. That's why it got a lot of our cuts overseas, because he didn't have anything to do with it. Those lucky, lucky bastards. But this has a tagline of, Wanted, four men willing to drive a cargo of death to escape a life of hell. I mean, that's terrible. Why? That's so long. It's a play on words, though. Drive a cargo of death to escape a life of hell? I like those little plays on words. That was all right. Oh, it's too long. It's a, we, we want a tagline, not a plot of a movie. What would you have gone with? Putting you on the spot, Bert. You could still use the death and hell analogy. Just lose all the front stuff. What about to live their life, they need to drive through hell? Sure. Something like that. That's better. Look at that. I just you made a better tagline. You don't need, well, four men <laughs> band together. They get two trucks and they like, shut up. <laughs> In space, no one can hear you scream. Perfect. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> But this did have a rough budget of $22 million uh, due to delays caused by the extensive jungle shooting, including a hurricane that wiped out the set. The original $15 million budget rose to the $22 million budget. Huge. Ended up being a box office flop, grossing $5.9 million in America and $9 million worldwide. Wow, that's rough. Roger Ebert at the time estimated that the film would have need to gross around 45 to 50 million just to break even. How so? I thought you said that they didn't spend a lot of marketing, but the budget was 22 million. This is what he said. I don't know why he said that. That's what he said. Hmm. 
Your story has holes, Hendo. It's not my story. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly didn't help that at the Man's Theatre, they wanted to keep Star Wars going on at that point, but they had a contract that they needed to fulfill with Paramount. So they put Sorcerer on, and then after they saw how unsuccessful it was, they put Star Wars back on like a week later. (laughs) (laughs) So ultimately, this film's failure prompted William Friedkin to move to France and disassociate himself from the American film industry. The breakup of his marriage the following year would lead him to return to Hollywood, where he made the moderately successful The Brinks Job. Never heard of it. Me neither. And although this clearly is a remake of The Wages of Fear from 1953, Friedkin says, that it's not. <laughs> really? Yes. It even says the words Wages of Fear on this film's poster. Well, when this was released internationally, that's when they changed the title to The Wages of Fear. What do you mean they changed the title to The Wages of Fear? When it was released internationally, because Friedkin had nothing to do with it at that point, they changed it to a better title, a la The Wages of Fear. They got rid of that sorcerer title. So they just kept the same name as the movie that it was based off? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's weird, isn't it? Getting back to Friedkin for just a sec, he says that this is not the same film as The Wages of Fear. However, he did go to meet with the original director of The Wages of Fear to get his approval to remake his film. This guy's contradicting himself. What is he doing? (laughs) Interestingly enough, horror author Stephen King says this is his favourite film of all time. What? Yep. Are you serious? Deadly serious. Maybe he was getting it confused with the original Wages of Fear. Maybe he was getting it confused with The Lawnmower Man. That's a Stephen King film, is it? Yes. I don't know. I don't, there's so many Stephen King books and films, I, I can't keep up with them. But as we mentioned, this is a patron requested review, and it comes from our top tier patron, Mr. Chris Beardsall. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah. You were doing so well with Last Action Hero and Zodiac. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this, this Like you said, this has an average of 7.7, over 15,000 ratings. Not in this room. Yep. Uh, this is not going to be a pleasant one, so let's get into it, Dean. Let's do it. Thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this patron preview. Yeah, if you want to check out the whole episode, we've got everything over on patreon.com slash imdbjourney. And we've got over 50 bonus episodes over there too, including various film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series. We've also gone through some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. That's right. There's also tons of other benefits too, early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. And Dean said it's spot on patreon.com slash imdbjourney. Go ahead and head on over there and check out all the rewards and benefits we have to offer. And we thank you once again for checking us out. Thanks, y'all. 